chapter twenty eight of the love affairs of pixie by mrs george de horn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain pixie finds her happiness as soon as pat had sufficiently recovered he and pixie travelled to ireland to spend a few weeks in the old homestead now blooming in fresh beauty under the management of jack o'shaughnessy and sylvia his wife the great hall which had been of old so bare and desolate was now embellished with turkey carpets and tapestried walls so far as the eye could reach there was not one shabby nor broken nor patched-up article in sight the damp and fusty odour which had filled the great drawing-room and which for years had been associated with state apartments in pixie's youthful mind was a thing of the past even in the chilliest weather the room remained warm for electric radiators cunningly hidden from sight dispelled the damp and were kept turned on night and day whether they were needed or whether they were not to the delight and admiration of the irish staff for pure extravagance for pure pagan delight in extravagance the irish man and woman are hard to beat the very warmth and generosity of their nature makes it abhorrent to them to stint in any direction which is one reason out of many for the prevailing poverty of the land jack and sylvia made delightful hosts and it was a very happy and a very merry quartet which passed those spring days together in knock castle they were complete in themselves and any suggestion of a party was instantly vetoed by the visitors who announced their desire to remain just as we are sylvia and pixie rode or drove about the country pulling up every half mile or so to chat with cottagers who were all eager to see miss pixie to invoke blessings on her head and begging her honour's pardon to sigh a sigh for the memory of the times that were no more on frequent occasions this same curious and to english-bred sylvia inexplicable regret for the days of old was manifested by the dwellers on the countryside what did they want she asked herself impatiently what could they wish for that had not already been done repaired cottages improved sanitation higher wages perquisites without number since the new reign all these things had been bestowed upon these ungratefuls and still they dared to regret the past sylvia had not yet grasped the fact that her birth and upbringing made a chasm between herself and her tenants which no kindness could span they would burn her peat waste her food accept and more or less waste again all that she chose to bestow but given a choice between the present days of plenty and the lean bare years of the reign of the jovial major and his brood they would enthusiastically have acclaimed the latter's return occasionally something of the same spirit would manifest itself in the o'shaughnessys themselves as when jack's voice would take on an apologetic tone in telling his brother of some improvement in the estate or pixie glancing at the old persian carpet in the dining-room would sigh regretfully there used to be a hole on such occasions sylvia was sometimes forced to depart on a visit to the nursery and relieve her feelings by a stamp en route 
when she returned jack's twinkling eyes would search her face and he would take an early opportunity of passing her chair and touching her with a caressing hand and once more all would be peace and joy jack and his wife heard from pat's lips all details as to stanor vaughan and his approaching marriage but to pixie herself the subject was never mentioned anyway she's not fretting said jack never saw her brighter and happier bless her big little heart i'm thankful the fellow has taken himself out of her way she'd never have given him up of her own accord we've all been so happy in our marriages that we can't stand any second best for pixie when are you going to settle down old chap oh about june next year replied pat calmly always said i would about twenty-eight nice time of year or two for a honeymoon but but jack stammered in surprise have you met the girl my good man dozens there's no difficulty there faith i love them all sighed handsome pat well it was a happy holiday but there was no sadness when it came to an end for pat was ready and eager to get back to work and pixie to the northern town which meant bridgie and home brother and sister parted with mutual protestations of gratitude and appreciation and with several quite substantial castles in the air as regards future meetings and within a few days both had settled down to the routine of ordinary life pixie is just the same all this business has not altered her at all captain victor said to his wife and bridgie smiled at him the same sort of loving indulgent smile which she bestowed on her small son when he guilelessly betrayed his ignorance she knew that pixie had altered felt the alteration every day of her life in a subtle indefinite manner which had escaped the masculine observation there was a certain expression which in quiet moments had been wont to settle on the young face an expression of repression and strain which now appeared to have departed for good a certain reserve in touching upon any subject connected with love and marriage which was now replaced by eager interest and sympathy gradually also as the months rolled on there came moments when a very radiance of happiness shone out of the grey eyes and trilled in the musical voice the time of stephen glynn's visit was drawing near another week and he would actually arrive what would be the result of that visit bridgie could not tell in a matter so important she dared not take any definite role but in her prayers that week she implored the divine father to send to the dearly loved little sister that which he and his wisdom knew to be best and then as usual pixie did the unexpected thing the sisters were sitting together at tea the day before stephen was expected when suddenly she looked across the room and said as quietly and naturally as if she had been asking the time do you think now bridgie that he will ask me to marry him bridgie started up to her cheeks flew the red it was she who was embarrassed she who stammered and crumbled the hem of the tablecloth my dear i don't know how should i how can i possibly know i didn't ask if you knew i asked if you thought i-i don't know what to think i know what he wants but he is so sensitive so humble about himself 
he thinks he's too old and 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 his lameness he exaggerates things all round from what he said to me in that letter that letter you wouldn't show me yes i couldn't pixie it was in confidence and besides he said nothing definite it was only inferred it's just because he idealizes you so much that he thinks he is not worthy no one can tell what a man will do when it comes to the time but what he means to do is evidently to say nothing oh said pixie she nibbled a fragment of cake for a thoughtful moment then said calmly so now i know thank you bridgie please don't say any more no darling no i won't only please just one thing it has puzzled me so much and i've longed to know there's never been any reserve between us you have confided in me so openly all your life till just these last years why didn't you tell me you were unhappy about stanor how could i me dear when i might be his wife it wouldn't have been loyal and it wasn't unhappiness exactly only a weight i was trying to keep on loving him and hating myself for finding it difficult but i knew if he came back loving me and wanting me to help him the weight would go but you see he didn't pixie dear one should not need to try that sort of love ought to feel no strain if stanor had needed me i should have married him pixie said obstinately but he didn't and me dear excuse me it's not the most agreeable subject let's talk of something else the next day stephen glynn arrived and put up at an hotel an agricultural show which was being held in the town made an excuse for his visit it also made a vantage ground for daily excursions and gave opportunities of securing tete-a-tete to those anxious to do so pixie was conscious that several such opportunities had in stephen's case been of intent ignored and allowed to pass by but never once did she doubt the motive which prompted such neglect from the moment of their meeting the consciousness of his love had enveloped her he might set a seal on his lips but he could not control his eyes and the wistfulness of that glance made pixie brave almost the first opportunity for undisturbed conversation came on the afternoon of the third day when stephen paid an unexpected call at the house to propose an expedition for the evening and found pixie alone she was sitting writing in the pretty flower-decked room where the french window opened wide to the garden beyond it was only a mite of a garden not big enough even for a tennis court but so much love and ingenuity had been lavished on its arrangement that it had an astonishing air of space the flower-covered trellis at the end had an air of being there because it chose and not in the least because it marked an arbitrary division of land the one big tree made an oasis of shade and had a low circular seat round its trunk and the flowers bloomed in grateful recognition of favours bestowed there are points in which the small garden has a pull over the large its owner can for instance remember just how many blooms a special plant afforded last summer and feel a glow of pride in the extra two of the present season she can water them herself tie up their drooping heads snip off the dead flowers 
know them and love them in an intimate personal way which is impossible in the large professionally run gardens bridgie's garden this summer afternoon made a very charming background for the figure of pixie in her white dress with the jaunty blue band round her waist and a little knot to match fastening her muslin peter pan collar she looked very young and fresh and dainty and the wistful expression deepened on stephen's face as he looked at her for the first few minutes conversation was difficult for the consciousness of being alone seemed rather to close the way to personal subjects than to open it stephen was grave and distrait pixie embarrassed and nervous but the real deep sympathy between them made it impossible that such an atmosphere should continue before ten minutes had passed pixie's laugh had sounded with the characteristic gurgle which was the very embodiment of merriment and stephen was perforce laughing in response he had never been able to resist pixie's laugh tea was brought in and the young hostess did the honours with a pretty hospitality it was the first meal of which they had partaken a deux and its homely intimacy brought back the wistful look into stephen's eyes perhaps pixie noticed it perhaps a point had been reached when she felt it impossible to go on talking generalities in any case she laid down her cup straightened herself in her chair with an air of preparing for something big and momentous and announced clearly i had a letter this morning from honor vaughan stephen glenn started and his face hardened the subject was evidently unwelcome to the point of pain she writes to you i write to her of course she answers i was always fond of honor possibly before her marriage as stanor's wife however pixie bent forward looking him full in the face i have no quarrel with stanor's wife i was angry with him there was something in me which he hurt very much i think she slightly shrugged her shoulder and a flicker of a smile passed over her face and was gone twas my pride it hurt to think he had been forced to come back if he'd trusted me and told the truth it would have saved suffering for us all at the time i felt i could never forgive him but that passed i don't say i can ever think of him as i did before as quite honest and true but the smile flashed back can you go on being angry yourself i don't think said stephen slowly that angry is the right word i'm disappointed disappointed with a bitterness which has its root in ten long years of hope and effort practically i've lived my life through that boy my great object and desire was to secure for him all that i had missed i made no definite promises it seemed wise or not but in effect he was my heir and all i have would have gone to him now that's over the future has been taken from me as well as the past america has absorbed him he has already through his wife more money than he can use and the role of an english country gentleman has lost its attractions for him there was a time in my first outburst of indignation when i should have felt a relief to have had some power of retaliation but as you say that passed he was the only person whom i could in any sense claim as my own and i've lost him he's independent of me now i can do no more for him 
the dark eyes were full of pain that is after all the thing that hurts the most the lad has faults but i loved him i lived through him now i can do no more and our lives fall apart there's a big blank pixie did not answer her face was very pale in her ears was a loud thudding noise which seemed mysteriously to be inside her own breast as for his wife she may be a good girl she appears to have behaved in an honourable fashion but to me it's a new type and i can't pretend that i'm not prejudiced there is only one thing that is satisfactory the boy is honestly in love even to the extent of abandoning his career to assist in the management of a pickle factory there was an inflection in the tone in which these last words were pronounced which brought pixie's eyes upon him in reproach they are very good pickles i can't see that making them is any less dignified than bulling and bearing cotton whatever that may mean stanor used to write of it in his letters honor's father loved his workmen and made her promise to go on looking after them as he had done she doesn't need any more money it would be easier for her to retire and hand over the factory to someone else it's for the men's sake that she keeps it on and to keep her promise to her father mr glynn you must love honor she's good and true and honourable and she's stanor's wife how could he how could he stephen rose impetuously and began pacing up and down a rare excitement growing in voice and manner when he could have had you good yes she may be good i'm not denying the girl's good point she has behaved well she has her attractions stanor evidently thinks her beautiful but he might have had you he has chosen this girl with her ordinary attractions instead of your sweetness your sunshine your generosity your kindness your voice pixie your eyes your love he was so blind so deaf the substance was his and for a shadow a poor faint shadow pixie had risen in her turn red as a rose she stood before him with shrinking eyes but hands held out in sweet courageous invitation if ye think so much of me as all that said the deep voice breathlessly wouldn't ye like me for yourself ten minutes later the miracle the wonder was as marvellous as ever as incredible to the man whose life was suddenly irradiated with sunshine pixie pixie he cried my youth will you give it back to me sweetheart the youth that i lost beloved said pixie and her voice was as the swell of a deep organ note it was not lost it's been waiting for you she touched her heart with an eloquent gesture here end of the love affairs of pixie by mrs george de horn vesey